Welcome to this week's podcast. My name is Mickey Badlamenti, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, we've modified our church schedule to help keep people safe. We currently offer on-site Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. with limited capacity, and we ask that you register ahead of time. Please visit www.rockpoint.org slash register before you join in person. That way we can save your seat. And we also live stream the 11 a.m. service on our YouTube channel. You can always find Rock Point on Facebook or visit the website for more information, including important schedule updates. And while COVID may have affected how we do church, it cannot diminish our efforts together to be the church. We look forward to connecting with you. Enjoy the podcast. Rock Point. I think I'm a little louder than Randy. I don't know. 2020 has turned into 21. You know what? It's been a long time since I've talked to you guys, and so much has happened. There's so much we got to catch up on, you know? Um, we've had so much this last year, and I think we can all uh, uh, be like the Apostle Paul and wish we were on the road to Damascus. Um, Damascus, yeah. Okay. <laughs> This, this could be a little trouble this morning. Okay. We had an election. I, my thoughts and prayers were with you people that had quality family time with somebody that voted differently than you did. That must have been fun. Uh, my family got together. I, I, I'm trying to be smart during the pandemic. I'm wearing my mask like I'm supposed to. I'm doing everything. I'm social distancing, you know, and then I was going into the Walmart up on Hall Road, and I run into the whole Mucinex family at once. So uh, we, we got together. My family did. We have a, had a nice Christmas. Um, I got to, my, my sister, she always makes this jello that she shreds uh, carrots up in it. It's so good. You always mix vegetables with dessert. That's such a great idea. Um, but it was nice. Uh, uh, I, we got up that morning, and my wife, I don't know how many of you guys can um, understand this, but you always have like a million things you got to take to somebody else's house, and then you start wishing they just had the big shebang at your house. So I'm getting all this stuff loaded in the car, and then, oh, bring this, and we got to bring that, and the whole SUV is packed, okay, gifts, everything, and then we're already 10 minutes late, I sit down in the car, I'm getting ready to go, and my wife looks at me, and she says, are you going to wear that? And I say, I say, no, this is, I got this at Kohl's, this is my getting ready to go somewhere outfit, I got another outfit, I'm going to go change now to my driving out, who goes through this? Am I the only one? Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if it's a dream or a vision, or I guess if I was really spiritual, I'd call it a vision. But I was saying, all right, God, what do I talk about to start the year out, start the ball rolling? I I need to talk about, because I know Randy's watching this on the the live feed, and I don't want to give him a heart attack in Hawaii, so I got to be good this morning. But I said, Lord, what can I talk about that will minister to these people. And he gave me this vision or picture, or whatever you want to call it, of a puzzle. And uh, I got this thing. Oh, this was a cute one. Uh, he showed me these puzzle pieces. I think a lot of us 
We enter this world and we're like this puzzle piece. We got all these weird edges and weird shapes and we just don't feel like we really fit in anywhere. And how can God use us? And where are we? And, you know, what's going on? But I believe God showed me and he, he said, Rob, he says, if somebody will actually follow me and live their lives according to my word, what I can do is I can take the peace this puzzle, this, this life they have, and I can fit it together with others, and I can make a beautiful picture. But we got to follow Christ. And that's, that's where the problem comes in, I think. Um, now, you people that are mature in the faith, uh, just bear with me for two minutes, okay? Two minutes. I want to explain something. Because if you don't get this, you'll get nothing that I'm sharing this morning, okay? There are phrases people use born again, Christians, you're saved, you're a child of God. And this confuses some people. But if you look back, the born again phrase comes from uh, Nicodemus, our buddy Nicodemus. It was the original Nick at night. He comes to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Now when somebody's born again, um, they ask Christ into their heart in their own language, in their own words, and ask him to be the Lord of their life. They give the keys to their car to Jesus, and they say, I will follow you. I want you to come into my life. I want you to control it. I want you to guide me in where I'm supposed to go. Now, this is where a lot of churchgoers, um, they kind of lose it. Because we, while we want the fire insurance, that sounds good, the whole Lord of my life thing, uh, not so much. But if we really want God to take our lives and fit them and make it all it can possibly be, we have to allow God to be the Lord of our life. we got to follow Christ with our whole heart. And, and this is what, what happens when we try to take the reins and, and do part of it ourselves. It doesn't quite work out the same way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning, Lord. Lord, I just pray that hearts would be open this morning, ready to receive your word. Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me and uh, give me the words to say and take the words out that I don't need to say. <laughs> we give you all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you got a Bible, turn to um, Luke chapter 15 this morning. Luke chapter 15. I want to talk about a story you probably have heard before, the prodigal son. And uh, his life looked a little bit, you know, I think it, with ours is the same way many times as a Christian. Our lives kind of look like a Michigan road. There's a lot of orange barrels, but ain't nobody working. So let's, look, let's take a look at this guy's life, and, and uh, at some point he does get the work going. Luke chapter 15. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. Now, before I go on, just so you know, this is unheard of, okay? Number one, he's the younger son. He's not the older son. The older son in this culture gets the favor, but it's the younger son. And here's another thing that you might not have caught the dad isn't dead yet. 
So he's coming to ask for his inheritance before the father dies. So basically, the young guy is coming up to him and say, you know, this is like saying, you're dead to me. I want to do my own thing. I want to get out of here. This is no good for me being here on the farm, okay? So that's what he's saying. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. He wanted to get as far away from the farm as possible. And there he squandered his wealth on wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. It's the kind of job a good Jewish boy wants, being with the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He had a lot of money so he could party like a rock star for a long time. He had friends, he had it all, but when the money disappeared, the friends disappeared, and all of a sudden he's working on this farm, feeding pigs. Now, I, I was born on a farm. I don't know how many, many of you guys know about pig farming, but you don't want to be around pigs. They don't smell that good, okay? But he did this, and he said, listen, these servants my dad has, they eat much better than I do. You know, this is what he's saying. No one gave him anything. Uh, I came across this picture of this sheep, and it got my attention. I thought it was a cool-looking sheep. This sheep's name is Shrek, okay? Now, Shrek, he got tired of being on the farm, too, and he got tired of listening to the shepherd. So he took off. This was in New Zealand. So he took off, and he lived in the cave, caves for six years, and the shepherd couldn't find him. In that length of time, he grew his hair out, uh, six times more than it should have been because he never got a haircut, okay? It's always good to get a haircut. Is there any beauticians or barbers that can say amen? Okay, all right. you got to get a haircut. Well, anyway, they finally, after six years, they got him, and there was 60 pounds of extra wool on him. So it was just like after the pandemic when all you guys went back to the barber shops and beauticians. You know, you look like the 70s or whatever. So anyway, they cut it all off. It took 20 minutes to cut it off. But Shrek, he had no idea he was carrying all this weight all this time. And I think this gives us the picture of us being separated from the shepherd. We get away from God. We want to do things our own way. We start, we start making this lousy decisions, and we have all these bad benefits from it. We're carrying all this extra weight, and we don't even realize it until we come back to Christ. So Shrek got a haircut, and now he's doing just fine. Uh, but it wasn't until he came back to the shepherd. Let's go on. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Because when you sin, that's what, what, what happens. You sin against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. <clears throat> Make me like one of your hired servants, so he got up and went to his father. Now listen to me. There's two important phrases in this scripture, and some of you are going to miss it, so I'm going to point it out to you. All right? Verse 17. When he came to his senses. Some of us have to come to our senses. Some of us never do, and that's why we have the problems we have. You've got to come to your senses, 
And then verse 20, so he got up. Now, it's great that you come to your senses, but that doesn't do any good at all unless you get up and do something about it. So maybe this last year, you, you might have been complaining and, oh, woe is me, all this. Some of you, though, got in, in a closer contact with God, and you come to your senses and you, you say, you know what, my life is not what it should be. But you got to get up. So he got up and went to his father. How could the father love him after all this? How could the father love him? Many of you don't do this because I don't know this because I don't advertise it. But I've owned a barber shop for 43 years. And a barber shop, and, and the reason I don't talk about it is I don't want anybody's business. I got too much business. I'm lazy and I don't want to work. Okay? So don't come see me. I'm just being honest. So how could he love him, you know? So anyway, I do marriage counseling for more men than any pastor on the planet, if you can believe that. In a barbershop, you talk about everything, politics, religion, every off-base. If you enjoy getting offended, because I know some of you do, come to a barbershop, okay? So we talk about everything. So I, I counsel with a lot of men, and they'll come in because they know that, well, they say I'm religious, they say, I'm a Bible thumper, I'm a preacher. They'll say, you're a churchgoer. They have different th things they say, some of which I won't share at this time. But they'll come in and they'll say, I don't love my wife. It's okay. Then they'll say, what should I do about it? What, what does the Bible say about it? What do you say about it? And I'll say, well, to be honest with you, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says we're to love each other, so you love her anyway. What are you talking about, lover, anyway? I do not, didn't you just hear me? I do not love my wife. What should I do? And I said, lover, anyway. The Bible says love your neighbor. Nobody's closer to, than your wife. Lover, anyway. I said, love is not just a feeling. It's a decision. And he says, you don't, you're not listening. I do not love my wife I detest her. I can't stand her. She makes my skin, skin crawl. I do not like her. What should I do? What does the Bible say? And I says, well, the Bible says love your enemy. Love her anyway. By that time, they'll scratch their heads. Pastor taught, taught me this a long time ago. They'll, they'll look at you and say, well, I'm not an emotional guy. I'm not emotional. And then I'll say, you know, when you're watching the Lions game, and you're a big Lions fan. And Stafford has the ball. He's going in for the touchdown. It's the fourth quarter. And all he has to do is get a touchdown, and they win the game. And he gets the ball. He throws it, and the other team catches it. When that happens, do you look at the TV and stand up and say, wow, at least he made a completion? <laughs> when you're bowling, you got eight strikes in a row. And you're going, you, you, the 300 game is out there. And you go throw it. And just as you're throwing it, somebody makes a noise. You hit the ball against the side of your leg. It goes in the gutter. Do you just look at it and say, wow, I think I missed the pins. You know? When you go into work Monday morning and you get in front of the boss and you've been working so hard and doing a great job and he says, I just can't use you anymore. We're going to have to let you go. Do you say, wow, I wanted to catch up on my soaps anyway. 
No, I say you show emotion because you are emotional. The point of the matter is you're emotional about your sports, your hobbies, your job. You're just not emotional about your wife. We are to love anyway. We are to love anyway. The father made a decision a long time ago to love anyway. Grace was given before the offense even occurred. Let me say that again. Grace was given by your heavenly Father before any offense you did even occurred. God forgave you. Somebody needs to hear that. Amen? Verse 28. The older brother... Well, let me say this, first of all. We know how the story went from there. The brother decided to head home. His dad was looking for him down the road, ran to him, hugged him, said, quick, put a ring on his finger, signifying that this is my son. Put a robe on him. Go kill the fatted calf, for my son that was dead is now alive. He's come home. He was overjoyed. He was thrilled. Let's throw a big banquet. Let's throw a party. Verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Now the party's going on. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours... Now notice he didn't say brother. When this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, this kid shamed the family name. I mean, one of the few things you can give in life is your name. And he, he just shamed the family name, just like a lot of us do. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. You kill the fatted calf for him. I've been taught all my life that the story of the prodigal son was about the younger son. But as I was reading this scripture, I've come to believe that the prodigal son is actually the older son. There are people that I grew up with in the church, they feel like they've earned salvation. They're good. They spent time stacking chairs out in the auditorium. They've paid the price for salvation. So they don't need Jesus. The Bible says the poor in spirit will see Jesus, will see God. That means when you come to a place where you know you're spiritually bankrupt without God, there's no way you can make it, no matter how good you are, that's when you got it. You see, when we're born into this world, we inherit the seed of Adam. We inherit the sin gene, if you will. But when we come into Christ, we're born again, and you no longer have that sin gene. You're washed, you're clean, and he forgives you. He forgives you. Your diet is more than what you eat. I believe it's who you hang out with. It's what you watch on TV. Some of us just need to shut off the TV if we really want to become all we need to be. It's so depressing anyway. It's what you watch. It's what you read. You may think of what you 
are completely insignificant in this world, but someone drinks coffee from the favorite cup that you gave them. Someone heard a song on the radio that reminded them of you. Someone read the book that you recommended and plunged headfirst into it. Someone smiled after a hard day of work because they remembered the joke that you told them. Someone loves themselves a little bit more because of the compliment you gave them. You matter. What you do matters. And a lot of us, something that holds us back from being all we can be is sometimes some of the people that are closest to us, a sister or a brother, they say, well, you know, that's just how Rob is. Maybe you have a, have a difficult mom or dad or brother or sister or your children are too difficult. What do you do? I found some scriptures, and maybe this will encourage you what, what to do with difficult relatives. Mark chapter 6, verse 4. A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and with his own people and in his own home. Look at that last five words. You're honored everywhere. You're trying to do what's right. You want to follow God, but you're not even honored in your own home. Luke chapter 4, verse 29. They got up and forced Jesus out of town and took him to the edge of the cliff on which the town was built. They planned to throw him off, but Jesus walked through the crowd and went on his way. I was reading this scripture, and here this cliff overlooks Jesus' hometown, and everybody there, these are the people that Jesus knows. They knew him all of his life. So when I'm reading this, and they wanted to kill him, I want to read this and preach to you this morning this. I want to say that Jesus' brothers stood up, got around Jesus, said, you know what, if you're going to fight him, you're going to have to fight us too. If you're going to kill him, you've got to kill us too. That's what I want to read in the scripture, but I can't preach that this morning because the scripture doesn't say that. His family wasn't with him. His brothers didn't stand by his side. So I had to do some more looking in Scripture, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, I found this verse. At the end, when Jesus was returning to heaven, Acts 1, 12, they all continued praying with some women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In the end, one of his brothers became an apostle and the rest became missionaries. Something tells me Jesus didn't push himself on his family. He didn't tell them what to do. He didn't act better than them. He didn't try to show them up. I believe Jesus loved on them and cared for them and all the way through showed this compassion and in the end, they were there. So if you have a son or a daughter right now and you don't know what you're going to do and they're not doing what's right and you tried everything, I would suggest love on them. Love on them. Love on your dad, your mom that won't bother hearing about the gospel, or your cousin or your aunt. Love on them. Love on them. That's what to do. I think love makes you do some crazy things in life. It makes you go the extra mile, if you say. I think one of the keys to becoming part of the beautiful picture God made us to be is first we want to give our whole life to him, but then next we want to learn how to love, love like Jesus loved. My son, 
the Father said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. The thing about this story gets to me is this passage doesn't end the way I wanted either. <laughs> it, I just noticed this, but it ends in a cliffhanger. Nobody ever says whether the older son comes in and joins the party. It never says. I mean, I want to believe that the older son didn't want to embarrass his dad, wanted to go in. He went in and he hugged his brother and he was so glad that he was alive and he, he understood grace and he sat down with his father and said, let's eat. He's alive. He was dead, but now he's alive. But I can't say that because it's a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. And I want to finish your piece of the puzzle too, but I can't do that because some of you, it's a cliffhanger too. Are you going to stay out in the field or are you going to come into the feast? Are you going to come into the celebration? Are you going to come in and join with your brothers and sisters and say, man, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're alive. Let's do life together. Do you stay out in the field and do you try to grind some of these weird edges off? Or do you come into the celebration, sit down at the table, and have a party? Long time ago, I decided when I come out into Scripture and there's a Scripture I don't agree with, I'm just going to assume I'm wrong. Come into the party, come into the celebration. This year, let God have control over your life and just see what's going to happen. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for being in our midst. Thank you for uh, speaking to our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that these folks are blessed as they go their separate ways. I pray uh, health on them, Lord. Lord, I pray that they, they will, you will give them joy. You will remind them of how much you love and care for them, Lord. And that you made a decision long time ago, no matter what happens, you're going to love them anyway. I thank you for that love. And we give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you next week.